Okay, Pasa Mufasa. Welcome to the Micropreneur Podcast, a podcast about people solving problems with mushrooms. I'm your host, Dennis Walker, and today's episode is going to be a little bit different than previous podcast episodes in that it's just going to be me. No high-flying psychedelic CEOs or underground cultivation queens today. So if that's your thing, better luck next time. I'm finally back in the studio after five weeks traveling across three different countries and more than a dozen cities, and I want to bring all y'all up to speed on some of the micropreneurial highlights of this badass journey, as well as some ongoing opportunities that are unfolding here in our little corner of the microverse. So get comfy, pour yourself a little tea, or if you're overseas, Willkommen, have some Lion's Mane coffee, and on today's episode, I'm going to talk about the in-person micropreneur incubator that's taking shape here on location in Chiapas, Mexico, where we're based to celebrate the first anniversary of the Micropreneur podcast, and that's coming up January 26th to February 1st in San Cristobal de las Casas, Mexico. So let's unpack that today and get into some details shortly because you are all invited. We are also going to drop some intel on the Meet Delic conference in Las Vegas and share a little bit about how we ended up there and what kind of shenanigans went down, some of the takeaways from that experience. I'm also going to drop in about my two-week visit to Colombia and some of the fungi-centric highlights of that bonanza, including the Biodiversity Conservation docuseries sponsored by the Colombian government that I got to feature in as an ambassador for the fungi. And I'm going to wax poetic a little bit on my experience in Mexico City, tuning in with Cooperativa Symbiosis which is an extremely impressive network of young micropreneurs who are running education and cultivation seminars and handling the fuck out of their business in one of the most populous and historic cities of the world. And if you stick around long enough, I'm going to share a couple of very early, very unedited passages from a book that I'm working on called Fungi Diplomacy. Say it one time. So thanks for listening and for indulging me in this unprovoked soliloquy. And let's get the show on the road. All right. So first things first, Michaelpreneur Podcast is turning one year old on January 22nd, 2022. And to celebrate this, I am throwing a series of events in San Cristobal de las Casas, Mexico, which is where the podcast is based. Yes, it's going down. Que pasa Mufasa. I am fine-tuning details, but I want to get the word out that yes, this is happening, and yes, you are invited. So in addition to hosting a number of fungi-themed parties with mycogastronomy and mushroom chocolate and creatively infused local liquors, etc., yes, we will also be hosting several micropreneurs in residence, and these are individuals who have high-profile professional industry experience running micropreneurial ventures at various levels. Yes, including the highest levels. And they'll be dropping some knowledge and whining and dining with us throughout the week. We have private concerts on deck performed by virtuosic artists. We've got backyard barbecues, cultivation stations, and just a cool fucking scene dialed in. There will be a chocolate making workshop or series of workshops. We've got all the equipment. 
psychedelic integration workshops put on by a dear friend who has a booming private therapy practice and has been in business over 15 years, which she's now branching into the legal psychedelic therapy world. So she'll be there. We've got multimedia professionals who will be dropping game on best practices and current trends in that industry, which is quite vital to many micropreneurial ventures. Having that online presence and content strategy dialed in. And we have access to baller fucking hotels and yoga and hypnotists, fine dining and orchid sanctuaries and a hundred other things. And of course the mushrooms too. So I want to share it with you. But above and beyond all of these wonderful happenings on the horizon, we have an opportunity to celebrate in grand fashion by taking a multiple day trip to one of the most biodiverse and virgin jungles on the planet, which is the Lacondon jungle. And we have some fat plugs there. Not only will we be staying with local Lacondones, we'll have a chance to go with a Chiapanecan mycologist. That's a mycologist from Chiapas and stay in a jungle lodge, which is actually quite nice together. So we're calling that one the fungal jungle experience. Yeah, it'll be a fraction of the cost of what other outfitters and expeditions are charging for mushroom forays and exotic places. And I know because I've been doing these expeditions to the Condon jungle and surrounding areas all throughout the last two years. So we've got some serious plugs dialed in. So the big question, how much does all of this cost? The current estimate is $500 a person for four days, all expenses included, in San Cristobal de las Casas. That's your accommodation, that's most of the meals, and that's all of the aforementioned activities. Now, the jungle expedition, this fungal jungle experience, that's gonna be an additional price. And we're estimating that to be $400. $400 for three day, two night, trip. So I want you all to go ahead and type into your Google box all relevant search terms about a similar micropreneurial fungi-centric celebration and jungle expedition as this and see what those price tags are for many of these expeditions because they are nowhere close to what we've been able to dial in through on-the-ground connections and personal experiences. Tap in and let's talk turkey tail. Okay, more on that to follow in the coming weeks, but you heard it here first, folks. Alright, so as previously mentioned, I just got back to my studio after five weeks of rigorous adventure that kicked off in my hometown of San Diego at the beginning of November, and I found myself in America's finest city for just a day or two to drop in on family and some friends, one of these friends being Max from Golden Mushroom Co. Shout out Max and Golden Mushrooms based out of Ocean Beach, San Diego. They are absolutely crushing it. And I had a fantastic visit to their urban mushroom farm, just a few blocks from the beach on a perfect day. And they've got it dialed in. So show them some love on the gram or check out their website, www.goldenmushroomco.com. So after that, it was off to Las Vegas for the Meet Delic Conference. Yes, I had no plans of attending this, but I got a super cool last minute invite with VIP all access weekend passes, courtesy of Pacific Substrates. Big shouts out Ben and Adam, company founders, for putting me on. Shouts out to the whole crew at Pacific Substrates because we were rolling deep. An extra big shouts out to William Goss for extending the plug and for being a super homie. 
Meet Delic was fucking amazing and exceeded my expectations in every way. At the heart of that awesomeness was the community of people in attendance, a number of whom we've had on the podcast here. I'm going to be honest with you. When I first rolled up, it felt like the first day of school at a brand new super psychedelic high school, like a super high school. And it's easy to feel overwhelmed in situations like that for me at first where I'm calculating how to best use my limited time at this amazing event, how to network and be genuine and bounce around from panel to panel and boot to booth. It gets so exhausting. So I spent the first few hours of Meet Delic just kind of floating around, trying to see where I fit in. And then after about two hours, this inner voice kicked in and it was just like, fuck fitting in. Just start saying hi to everyone and do your thing and hang your dang lang So that's what I did. And sure enough, it worked. I instantly felt more at ease, not trying to do too much or expect too much of myself, but just getting the momentum going and cold approaching people or awkwardly interjecting myself into pre-established clicks. And soon enough, more of my actual friends started to show up because I'm always that dude who arrives to your party right on time. Like, I can't be 15 minutes late to no event. No, son. I'm wired that way, and it's a real bitch living in Mexico and showing up to events three hours before anyone else shows up or knows where I am. I digress. My takeaways from the Meet Delic panels and presentation, I've already covered in a video on the Micropreneur Instagram page, but I'll do a little recap here. What I was most interested in was the intersection between venture capitalism, big money, and psychedelics, because that's the trillion dollar question as far as I'm concerned. Listen, the scope of the market for psychedelics could potentially be every single person on the planet. And that's a direct quote from one of the industry heavyweights that was on this panel. So it's a staggeringly big market opportunity. But how can these mind altering substances and profound experiences be inducted into profit oriented capitalist enterprise in any kind of ethical, equitable, and sensible capacity. Wow, it's a mouthful. And it's a big fucking question. And I know some folks, including several of our previous guests, who argue that they absolutely cannot coexist with capitalism. These sacred practices cannot coexist with capitalism. I respectfully disagree. Now, I don't think money and profits in the psychedelic space have to be inherently bad. I don't think money corrupts people. I think people, people's corrupt money. And that sentiment was shared by a number of the panelists presenting on the two panels of particular interest to me, which were lessons from cannabis and big money and psychedelics. And one of the key messages I heard from that panel was a clarion call to companies getting into the psychedelic space to quote, focus on profits, but don't lose your altruism. Altruism, of course, defined as selfless interest in the well-being of others. So a couple of thoughts from my end. I think that the influx of psychedelics into mainstream society has the potential to radically transform global society for the better. However, that's what a lot of Silicon Valley techies thought when they were building the tools that are now used for mass surveillance and misinformation by bad actors and rogue states and shitty fucking people, man. So who knows how this will end up? But I'm here for it, and I'm absolutely 
definitely interested in getting paid and throwing badass parties for the homies, full of novel molecules and wizard potions and exotic animals. Which is essentially what the Mycopreneur Incubator is intended to be, and also more or less what I experienced in Vegas. Now, there was a large ketamine presence at the festival too, but that's another story for another day. Alright, so three days in Vegas, tons of great people. Shout out Melissa Dawn. We had an adrenaline-filled evening at the Stratosphere together, rebranded as the Strat, which by the way is a terrible hotel, but they've got a pretty dope series of rides and tequila shots up at the top there. Shout out Adam Bramlage and Flow State Micro. Really great to connect. Also, Garrett from Unicorn Bags. I absolutely love everything about Unicorn and Garrett is the homie. Represent Big Supremes. Shouts out to Woosaw and Mike Jones. Some of the realest folks out there at the conference holding it down for the bay. Also, to Karina from Fungi Academy. Joe Moore from Psychedelics Today. That was a pleasant surprise to have some good old-fashioned hang time and to hear about all of the developments and evolutionary juju in full effect at Psychedelics today. Definitely crushing on those guys. Numerous other folks. Thank you for turning up with me. Can't wait till next year. All right, next up, Columbia. Now, it was my wife's 31st birthday, and we always aim to go cool places for our birthdays. We've celebrated past birthdays in such unique and exotic destinations as Fiji, Morocco, Armenia, Malibu, Mexico, probably a few other spots too. And this year, we landed on Colombia. And relevant to this podcast, I had an opportunity to go hunting for wild mushrooms in the Kokora Valley near Salento, a divine little mountain town that's not far from Bogota as the crow flies But Colombian traffic and general lack of infrastructure is another story entirely. So the 90-mile bus ride to Salento straight up took 10 hours. But once we were there, I found paradise. And in that paradise was my first Cordyceps Tenuipes. First Cordyceps I've ever found in the wild. And I got some spore prints, so hit me up if you're into that kind of thing. Though I didn't bring any of the host organism home. So we might have to get creative with this. And... Yeah, I also found some Deconica coprophilia, a dung-loving psilocybee, growing on some horse shit near the trail at the top of the mountains beside the valley. I also found some Amanita muscarias, which I am increasingly fascinated with. So one of the things I've learned in my forays over the last couple years is that the further away you can get from people and dwellings and disturbances, the more rich the funga of the area seems to be. And I first learned that the hard way when I lost a drone in Mexico flying at altitude without recalibrating the compass on the drone and it zoomed off into the hills. So of course I went searching for it and I I noticed a wealth of fungi that I'd never seen growing in other parts of the preserve by getting off path there. So I do my best when foraging to get off of the trails deeper into the mystery of the forest, and in doing so, I've also noticed that the presence of more diverse and unique birdsong in these remote jungle and forest areas often seems to signify that there are more exotic and unusual fungi growing in that area. I don't know if there's any scientific corroboration for this hunch, but it stands to reason that if you're in a part of the forest that has been less impacted by human activity, you're going to find some amazing fungi there. And that's been my experience. So the next fungal highlight from Columbia was staying at an eco-lodge built entirely out of bamboo in the middle of the Andean rainforest. 
And I found a humongous auricularia or wood ear mushroom. Also the first time I found one of those or tried to pronounce it, a choice edible I might add. Also found my first gastrolis. Probably said that like a total no nothing. Also known as the earth star mushroom, much easier. And I found a patch of Mycena growing at the foot of some banana trees. And I mean, thousands of these popping up together. So I was describing these fungi that I found to the lodge owner, and he confessed to knowing virtually nothing about the fungi in the area, despite having an encyclopedic knowledge of the flora and fauna. So he got stoked that I could ID some of the mushrooms, and as fate would have it, the following morning, a film crew creating a docu-series for the Colombian government showed up, and the focus of their project is on the biodiversity and conservation areas around Colombia. So the lodge owner recommended that they interview me for their project. I got to drop knowledge on the importance of funga in addition to flora and fauna, and I was elated to be able to name drop some of the local mushrooms. Next part of the trip took us to Medellin and to Cartagena, and in particular, I fell head over heels in love with Cartagena. Not a lot of mushroom activity to report there from my experience, but there is a rich pirate lore in the city, and I feel a great affinity for scallywags and troublemakers. We stayed in the old town, walled city, had a rooftop jacuzzi, million dollar sunsets, and we smoked fine cigars and shopped for emeralds because Colombia is the emerald capital of the world. I almost bought some, but came to my senses and realized that I'd rather drop $1,000 on myco supplies than on bling. And also, as an addendum, we ran into two different people that I know in Cartagena from other parts of the world. And this happens surprisingly often to me in different cities around the world. That's always cool. This was extremely cool to run into the homies out there. We spent Becca's birthday lounging like royalty on a tiny Caribbean island in the Rosario Islands, which are about an hour speedboat away from Cartagena. Then we flew to Mexico City, and that week was chock full of fungal activity. So to move on, the highlight of Mexico City was definitely getting to drop into the second medicinal mushroom party thrown by Cooperativa Symbiosis. And that included a cultivation workshop where about 30 people of varying ages, mostly local to the area, learned about medicinal and psychedelic mushrooms and got to inoculate lion's mane, turkey tail, and psilocybe grow kits to take home with them, with us. I'm very inspired by these young micropreneurs comprising Cooperativa Symbiosis, and they are completely on their A-game. So it was fantastic to connect with them and to drop into their scene for a second. So shout out Ireri, Oswaldo, Sandra, and the rest of the squad. Other noteworthy experiences in Mexico City, dropping in on some good friends, Zach and Corrine. I went to college with Zach, University of San Francisco, Don's baby, what's up, represent. And I ran into him unplanned last year at Dia de los Muertos in Oaxaca. Now they're living in Mexico City, deeply intertwined with the entrepreneurial ecosystem there. And Zach's crushing the digital marketing game and has been for a long time, scaling biotech companies and even plugging me with a podcast guest, Peter Raitano of Guela. So that's his game. And Corrine has her very own vegan leather company. She makes luxury jewelry bags out of cactus leather and has been making waves in that sustainable fashion industry. The company is called Lunar Method. And hell yes, 
We've already had conversations about inculcating some mycelium leathers into that product line. And we've also contributed to some of her video content work floating around in the Lunar Method universe. So that was great to hang with them and their beautiful little Alaskan Klikai Jones, such a cute dog. And we ate a bunch of super dank ramen and sushi in Mexico City because we live in a postmodern world and everything happens everywhere all of the time. I've even bought passion fruit in a tiny town in Armenia in the dead of a post-Soviet winter. But I'm getting off track here. So we wrapped up the trip in Mexico City and we jetted back to Chiapas just a few days ago and immediately set about whining and dining with our business partners for Myco Day Chocolate, which is pumping out bars and finessing deals on numerous fronts right now. And the partners I speak of will both be part of the Mycopreneur Incubator as well. Shout out Kevin and Kirsten Strieber. All right, so that brings us to the present moment. And if you've made it this far, I'll be fucking surprised. But heavenly blessings upon you and yours. The reward for y'all sticking around with me on this one is a super sneak peek at a book that I've been investing some time and energy in. And it encompasses a lot of my views on the utilitarianism of fungi. In other words, my unabashed belief that mushrooms are a largely untapped and completely capable technology for drastically improving the quality of life for planet and for people when leveraged appropriately. And to illustrate this, I am unpacking the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals that are a global blueprint for peace and prosperity on the planet by 2030. And in particular, it's my belief that tapping into fungi as a technology can help to achieve each of these 17 goals in a more efficient and expedient capacity. It can do it better than all that other shit they've got dialed in right now that's spread out, by the way, across 9,000 companies with over $4 trillion of assets pledged to the cause. So I'm going to go ahead and read the first chapter or so of this completely unedited and somewhat ambitious literary adventure that I've been embarking upon. In 2015, the United Nations rolled out 17 sustainable development goals that currently guide global environmental, social, and corporate policy. The stated intention of these goals are as a universal call to action to end poverty, protect our planet, and to ensure that all people enjoy peace and prosperity by 2030. The corresponding policy measures enacted to realize these noble and ambitious goals are spread out across 9,000 companies and 193 countries who have pledged their devotion to the vision laid out by the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, cemented by over $4 trillion of assets that have been committed to the cause. Many of the synchronous changes we have witnessed at local, state, federal, and international levels are directly tied to the vision outlined in these SDGs and are driven by the collection and interpretation of data from the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, the World Economic Forum, and thousands of other local, regional, and international affiliate organizations, including numerous Fortune 500 companies. The 17 SDGs laid out by the UN are currently being pursued by a staggering variety of stakeholders and organizations, with distributed task forces implementing and monitoring policy around the world to align with specific, quote, outcome targets relevant to each goal. Each of the 17 SDGs has different outcome targets and employs various, quote, indicators to measure progress towards desired outcomes. 
It's my hypothesis that the appropriate leveraging of fungi and mycelium technology can help to realize each of these 17 SDGs in a more efficient and expeditious manner than the current systems in place. It's a fairly bold position to take considering some of the SDGs are in domains like energy efficiency and infrastructure rather than the more overt parallels like food security and climate action, but I will attempt to construct practical and actionable arguments that are backed by peer-reviewed research and real-world models currently in play. Fungi are an invaluable and often ignored lifeline that offer a resilient and robust solution package to the most daunting challenges on our planet. Viable fungi technology products and services are uplifting critically vulnerable and marginalized communities while disrupting and redefining market sectors attached to every level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The Sustainable Development Goals and their intended outcomes are a comprehensive and necessary collective adaptation to the extreme environmental and social challenges of our times. I absolutely support the vision of peace and prosperity for everyone by 2030. While working as a multimedia producer for Occidental College's Department of World Affairs in Los Angeles, beginning the summer of 2020, I became familiarized with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Occidental has an ongoing partnership with the mayor of Los Angeles' office to implement policy that directly guides and supports the pursuit of these goals. This is done through the development of task forces comprised of select Occidental students, faculty, and partners in the mayor of Los Angeles' office. Through interviewing various academic, government, and industry stakeholders for this project, I began to sense an enormous blind spot and a missed opportunity in the design and implementation of the SDGs. Parallel to this project with Occidental and its partners, I had the good fortune of interviewing dozens of renowned fungi entrepreneurs, activists, and researchers around the world for this podcast. I noticed that many of the conversations for Micropreneur had significant thematic overlap with the stated intentions and target outcomes of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And what's more, that the solutions offered by fungi and micropreneurs often held out to be more cost-effective, timely, regenerative, and equitable solutions than the strategies proposed and implemented by the United Nations and its network of partner organizations. In researching direct connections between the United Nations SDGs and fungi technology, I even found a few instances of other more academically qualified people than myself trumpeting the value of fungi as a means of achieving certain aspects of these SDGs. Chapter 1. No Poverty The first of the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals is to end poverty in all its forms everywhere by 2030. So according to research carried out by UN partner organization, the World Bank, over 700 million people around the planet currently live in extreme poverty, and that's 10% of the global population, with rural areas impacted at a considerably higher rate of around 17%. These statistics are projected to increase considerably if drastic preventative measures are not taken. Climate chaos, social tension, tribalism, terrorism, and numerous other factors have contributed to an increasingly volatile and precarious situation for the planet's most marginalized communities, a symptom of which we observe in the ever-increasing waves of migrants flooding into wealthier nations to seek asylum. 
The World Bank defines extreme poverty as anyone living under a bottom line of $1.25 US per day. The majority of people on the planet living in these conditions exist in sub-Saharan Africa, according to data collected by the World Bank. To demonstrate how fungi can radically uplift a sub-Saharan African population out of abject poverty and into a dignified and prosperous livelihood, let's look at Josephine Nakakondi and the 400-plus women micropreneurs that she works with in Uganda. Josephine is the director of EcoAgric Uganda and has leveraged a small pool of grant money and international connections to the fungi community spurred by participation in Facebook groups that have yielded an extraordinarily positive impact in the critically vulnerable communities that she serves. Josephine and EcoAgric Uganda have trained more than 400 abjectly impoverished Ugandan women to cultivate and sell oyster mushrooms in fully sustainable small business models that require minimal upfront investment and maintenance. The women that Josephine works with often didn't earn even one US dollar per day prior to their training in the arts of mushroom cultivation and mycopreneurism. After their training, these women can earn around $8 US per day, and in some cases up to $15 by selling their oyster mushrooms at market. Now, of course, the mushrooms they don't sell are eaten or traded for other staple items and basic necessities that were previously unavailable or unaffordable for these women. This model of regenerative mycopreneurism in critically vulnerable populations in sub-Saharan Africa is not limited to Josephine and Eco-Agric Uganda. A United Nations HCR report in 2006 describes Congolese refugees improving their diets and their incomes with an innovative project that grows mushrooms at a crowded refugee camp in Rwanda. The mushroom farm in this refugee camp existed in a small, dark room packed into an environment totally unfit for agriculture or livestock activity. Mushrooms also require far less water than either of the aforementioned pursuits and are ideal for vertical cultivation, meaning that tiny spaces, such as those available in refugee camps and slums, can yield hundreds of pounds of nutritious sustenance with less need for sometimes scarce resources like water, electricity, and fertile soil. As an added bonus to this, Oyster mushrooms grow on waste products such as corn husks, coffee grounds, straw, coconut fiber, and other similar substrates that are commonly available in sub-Saharan and equatorial regions around the world. A parallel account of small-scale mushroom farming uplifting a community of refugees comes out of a camp in Syria. In 2016, a Syrian refugee named Nasrallah grew oyster mushrooms in similar conditions and with similar access to extremely limited resources in a destabilized region. Now, as the Congolese refugees described prior, Nasrallah was able to produce 40 pounds of nutrition-packed mushrooms from just two pounds of spawn. The mushrooms grown in each of these situations, in Uganda, in Rwanda, and in Syria, function as a form of meta-currency for the sub-poverty threshold communities targeted by the first of these United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Mycopreneurs who cultivate mushrooms retain the option to eat, to trade, or to sell their bounty. And this model of regenerative mycopreneurism can be extrapolated upon and repeated in impoverished and marginalized areas around the world, in refugee camps, in slums, and even in high-rise penthouses far removed from those contexts. 
Another clear example of mushrooms uplifting a marginalized community adversely impacted by climate disaster comes to us from Haiti. After the devastating earthquake of 2010, supply chains and infrastructure for the island were thrown into chaos and left many Haitian residents without access to food. The eccentric mycologist Trad Cotter helped develop oyster mushroom cultivation seminars and donated the necessary materials for Haitians to develop their own models of food security in the face of displacement and disempowerment, which is what happened in Haiti and which is happening in so many other pockets of the globe right now. So there will be more added to that. That's just a little taste of it. And here's sustainable development goal number two, zero hunger. To end hunger, achieve food security, and improve nutrition and promote sustainable agriculture. The potential for small-scale mycopreneurism to address this issue is an extension of the reasoning expressed in the previous chapter. And to illustrate another concrete example of mycopreneurism mitigating hunger in marginalized communities across the globe, let's turn to Southeast Asia. Wow, that felt good to get off my chest and to put out into the world. It's just been sitting in my notes here on the computer. Okay, we could go on indefinitely here, but I'm going to wrap this experiment up and put a little bow on top of it, slide it under the tree. So thanks for listening. Hit me up about the incubator. It's going down. And look for more podcasts with actual, real other people coming your way in the near future. But also let me know if you like this format because I might just start sliding these in every now and then like open love letters to the universe. One love. Have a wonderful day. There's so much to cover in the mushroom universe and so many mycopreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive, and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the mycoverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up, at Mycopreneur Podcast. that's the handle, don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running. Twitter, Mycopreneur. Got the YouTubes dialed in, Mycopreneur. Drop us a line. Tell your grandma and your kooky uncle. Tell your wife and your kids. If you're a Mycopreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, willkommen, bienvenidos, welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode, and also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Mycopreneur Podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.